0: A Christmas Treasury Little Women by Louisa May Alcott This section from the classic tale tells of the March sisters and their heartwarming Christmas. Even without their father, Louisa May Alcott's Little Women was based on her own childhood in Boston and Concord, Massachusetts. Like the Marches, her parents struggled to raise four young girls, but her father was an influential teacher. And counted among his friends Ralph Waldo Emerson, who allowed the young woman use of his extensive library. Jo was the first to wake in the gray dawn of Christmas morning. No stockings hung at the fireplace, and for a moment she felt as much disappointed as she did long ago, when her little sock fell down because it was so crammed with goodies. Then she remembered her mother's promise, and slipping her hand under her pillow drew out a little crimson-covered book. She knew it very well, for it was that beautiful old story of the best life ever lived. And Jove felt that it was a true guide-book for any pilgrim going the long journey. She woke Meg with a Merry Christmas and bade her see what was under her pillow. A green-covered book appeared, with the same picture inside and a few words written by their mother which made their one present very precious in their eyes. Presently Elizabeth and Amy woke to rummage and find their little books also, and one dove colored, the other blue, and all sat looking at the talking about them, while the east grew rosy with the coming day. In spite of her very small vanities, Margaret had a sweet and pious nature, which unconsciously influenced her sisters especially Joe, who loved her very tenderly and obeyed her because her advice was so gently given. Girls, said Meg seriously, looking from the tumbled head beside her to the two little nightcap ones in the room beyond. Mother wants us to read and love and mind these books, and we must begin at once. We used to be faithful about it, but since father went away and all this war trouble unsettled us, we have neglected many such things. You can do as you please, but I shall keep my book on the table here, and read a little every morning, as soon as I wake, for I know it will do me good and help me through the day. Then she opened her new book and began to read. Jo put her arm around her, and leaning cheek to cheek read also, with a quiet expression so seldom seen on her restless face. How good Meg is! Come, Amy, let's do as they do. I'll help you with the handwork, and they'll explain things if we don't understand, whispered Beth, very much impressed by the pretty books and her sister's example. I'm glad mine is blue, said Amy, and then the rooms were very still while the pages were softly turned and the winter sunshine crept in to touch the bright hands and serious faces with a Christmas greeting. "'Where is mother?' asked Meg, as she and Joe ran down to thank her for their gifts half an hour later. "'Goodness only knows, some poor critter come a beggin', and your ma went straight off to see what was needed. There never was such a woman for givin' away vittles and drinks, clothes and firin' replied hannah who had lived with a family since meg was born and was considered by them all more as a friend than a servant she will be back soon i think so fry your cakes and have everything ready said meg looking over the presents which were collected in a basket and kept under the sofa ready to be produced at the proper time why where's amy's bottle of cologne she added As the little flask did not appear, she took it out a minute ago and went off with it to put a ribbon on it, or some such nosin', replied Joe, dancing about the room to take the first stiffness off the new army slippers. How nice my handkerchiefs look, don't they? Hannah washed and ironed them for me, and I marked them all myself, said Beth, looking proudly at at THE SOMEWHAT UNEVEN LETTERS, WHICH HAD COST HER SUCH LABOR. BLESS THE CHILD, SHE'S GONE AND PUT MOTHER ON THEM, INSTEAD OF M-MARCH. HOW FUNNY, CRIED JOE, LOOKING UP. ISN'T IT RIGHT? I THOUGHT IT WAS BETTER TO DO IT, SO BECAUSE MEG'S INITIALS ARE M-M, AND I DON'T WANT ANYONE TO USE THEM BUT MARMY, SAID BETH, LOOKING TROUBLED. It's all right, dear, and very pretty idea. Quite sensible, too, for no one can ever mistake now. It will please her very much, I know, said Meg with a frown for Joe and a smile for Beth. There's, Mother, hide the basket quick, cried Joe, as a door slammed and steps sounded in the hall. Amy came in hastily and looked rather abashed when she saw her sisters all waiting for her. "'Where have you been, and what are you hiding behind you?' asked Meg, surprised to see her by her hood and cloak. "'That lazy Amy has been out so early.' "'Don't laugh at me, Joe. "'I didn't mean anyone should know till the time came. "'I only meant to change the little bottle for a big one, and I gave all my money to get it, and I'm truly trying not to be selfish any more.' As she spoke, Amy showed the handsome flask, which replaced the cheap one, and looked so earnest and humble in her little effort to forget herself that Meg hugged her on the spot, and Joe pronounced her a Trump, while Beth ran to the window and picked her finest rose to ornate the stately bottle. You see, I felt ashamed of my present after reading and talking about being good this morning, so I ran around the corner and changed it in a minute. And I'm so glad, for mine is the handsomest now. Another bang of the street door sent the basket under the sofa and the girls to the table, eager for breakfast. "'Merry Christmas, Marmy, many of them. Thank you for our books. We re- re-read some.' and mean to every day they cried in chorus merry christmas little daughters i'm glad you began at once and hope you will keep on but i want to say one word before we sit down not far away from here lies a poor woman with a little new-born baby six children all huddled in one bed to keep from freezing for they have no fire there's nothing to eat over there and the oldest boy came to tell me they were suffering hunger and cold my girls will you give them your breakfast as a christmas present they were all unusually hungry having waited nearly an hour and for a minute no one spoke only a minute for joe exclaimed impetuously i'm so glad you came before we began may i go to help carry the things to the poor little children asked beth eagerly i shall take the cream and the muffins said amy heroically giving up the articles she most liked. Meg was already covering the buckwheats and piling the bread into one big plate. "'I thought you'd do it,' said Mrs. March, smiling as if satisfied. "'You shall all go and help me, and when we come back we will have bread and milk for breakfast and make it up at dinner-time.' They were soon ready, and the procession set out. Fortunately, it was early— and they went through back streets, so few people saw them, and no one laughed at the odd party. A poor, bare, miserable room it was, with broken windows, no fire, ragged bedcloths, a sick mother wailing baby, and a group of pale, hungry children, cuddled under one old quilt, trying to keep warm. How the big eyes stared, and the blue lips smiled as the girls went in. Ach, "'It is good angels come to see us,' said the poor woman, crying for joy. "'Funny angels in hoods and mittens,' said Joe, and started to laugh. In a few minutes it really did seem as if kind spirits had been at work there. Hannah, who had carried the firewood, made a fire and stopped up the broken panes with old hats and her own cloak." mrs march gave the mother tea and gruel and comforted her with promises of help while she dressed the little baby as tenderly as if it had been her own the girls meantime spread the table set the children round the fire and fed them like so many hungry birds laughing talking and trying to understand the funny broken english das is gut cried the poor things as they ate and warmed their purple hands at the comfortable blaze. The girls had never been called angel children before, and thought it very agreeable, especially Joe, who had been considered a Sanko ever since she was born. This was a very happy breakfast, though they didn't get any of it, and when they went away, leaving comfort behind, I think there were not in all the city four merrier people than the hungry little girls who gave away their breakfast and contented themselves with bread and milk on Christmas morning. "'That's loving our neighbor better than ourselves, and I like it,' said Meg, as they set out their presents, while their mother was upstairs collecting clothes for the poor Hummels. Not a very splendid show but there was a great deal of love done up in the few little bundles, and the tall vase of red roses, white chrysanthemums, and trailing vines, which stood in the middle, gave quite an elegant air to the table. "'She's coming! Strike up, Beth!' "'Open the door, Amy! Three cheers for Marmy!' cried Joe, prancing about while Meg went to conduct Mother to the seat of honor." Beth played her happiest march, and Amy threw open the door, and Meg enacted escort with great dignity. Mrs. March was both surprised and touched, and smiled with her eyes full, as she examined her presents and read the little notes which accompanied them. The slippers went on at once, and the new handkerchief was slipped into her pocket. Well-scented with Amy's cologne, the rose was fastened to her bosom, and the nice gloves were pronounced a perfect fit. There was a good deal of laughing and kissing and explaining in the simple, loving fashion which makes these home festivals so pleasant at the time, so sweet to remember long afterward, and then all fell to work. The morning charities and ceremonies Took so much time that the rest of the day was devoted to preparations for the evening festivities. Being still too young to go often to the theatre and not rich enough to afford any great outlay for private performances, the girls put their wits to work and, necessity being the mother of invention, made whatever they needed. Very clever were some of their productions pasteboard guitars, antique lamps made of old-fashioned butter boats. Covered with silver paper, gorgeous robes of old cotton, glittering with tin spangles from a pickle factory, and armor covered with the same useful diamond-shaped bits, left in sheets with the lids of tin-preserved pots, were cut out. The furniture was used to being turned topsy-turvy, and the big chamber was the scene of many innocent revels. No gentlemen were admitted, so Joe played male parts to her heart's content, and took immense satisfaction at a pair of russet leather boots given her by a friend, who knew a lady who knew an actor. These boots, an old foil, and a slashed doublet once used by an artist for some picture, were Joe's chief treasures and appeared on all occasions. The smallness of the company made it necessary for the two principal actors to take several parts apiece, and they certainly deserved some credit for the hard work they did in learning three or four different parts, whisking in and out of various costumes, and managing the stage besides. It was excellent drill for their memories, a harmless amusement, and an employed many hours which otherwise would have been idle, lonely, and spent in less profitable society. On Christmas night, a dozen girls piled into the bed, which was the dress circle, and sat beside the blue and yellow chintz curtains in a most flattering state of expectancy. There was a good deal of rustling and whispering behind the curtain, a trifle of lamp smoke, and an occasional giggle from Amy, who was apt to get hysterical in the excitement of the moment. Presently a bell sounded, and the curtains flew apart, and the operatic tragedy began. The excitement had hardly subsided when Hannah appeared with Mrs. March's compliments, and would the ladies walk down to supper? This was a surprise, even to the actors, and when they saw the table they looked at one another in rapturous amazement. It was like Marmee to get up a little treat for them, but anything so fine as this was unheard of since the departed days of plenty. There was ice cream, actually two dishes of pink and white, and the cake and fruits, and distracting French bonbons, and in the middle of the table four great bouquets of hothouse flowers. It quite took their breath away, and they stared, first at the table and then at their mother, who looked as if she enjoyed it immensely. "'Is it fairies?' asked Amy. "'Is it Santa Claus?' asked Beth. "'Mother did it,' said Meg, smiling in her sweetest smile, in spite of her gray beard and white eyebrows. "'Aunt March had a good fit and sent it over,' cried Joe with a sudden inspiration. "'All wrong. Old Mr. Lawrence sent it,' replied Mrs. March. "'The Lawrence boy's grandfather? What in the world put such a thing into his head?' We don't know him!" exclaimed Meg. Hannah told one of the servants about your breakfast-party. He is an odd old gentleman, but that pleased him. He knew my father years ago, and he sent me a polite note this afternoon, saying he hoped I would allow him to express his friendly feelings towards my children by sending them a few trifles in honor of the day. I COULD NOT REFUSE, AND SO YOU HAVE A LITTLE FEAST AT NIGHT TO MAKE UP FOR THE BREAD AND MILK BREAKFAST. THAT BOY PUT IT INTO HIS HEAD? I KNOW HE DID. HE'S A CAPITAL FELLOW, AND I WISH WE COULD GO AND GET ACQUAINTED. HE LOOKS AS IF HE'D LIKE TO KNOW US, BUT HE'S BASHFUL, AND MEG IS SO PRIM SHE WON'T LET ME SPEAK TO HIM WHEN HE PASSES," SAID JOE, AS THE PLATES WERE SENT ROUND. And the ice began to melt out of sight, with ohs and ahs of satisfaction. "'You mean the people who live in the big house next door, don't you?' asked one of the girls. "'My mother knows old Mr. Lawrence, but says he's very proud, and doesn't like to mix with his neighbors. He keeps his grandson shut up. Then he isn't riding or walking with his tutor, and makes him study very hard. We invited him to our party. But he didn't come, Mother says he's very nice, though he never speaks to us girls. Our cat ran away once, and he brought her back and we talked over the fence. We were getting on capitally all about cricket and so on. when he saw Meg coming and walked off, I mean to know him some day for he needs fun. I'm sure of that, said Joe decidedly. I like his manner, and he looks like a gentleman, so I've no objection to your knowing him, if a proper opportunity comes. He brought the flowers himself, and I should have asked him in. If I had been sure what was going on upstairs, he looked so wistfully as he went away, hearing the frolics and evidently having none of his own. It's a mercy you didn't, mother, laughed Jo, looking at her boots, but— we'll have another play sometime, and then he can see. Perhaps he'll play. Wouldn't that be jolly? I never had such a fine bouquet before. How pretty it is, said Meg, as she looked at the flowers with interest. They are lovely, but Beth's roses are sweeter to me, said Mrs. March, smelling the half-dead posy in her belt. Beth nestled up to her and whispered softly, "'I wish I could send a bunch to father. "'I'm afraid he isn't having much of a Merry Christmas as we are.'